Excellent. So, you've been glued to my new video about summoning Dr. Duquesne. What do you mean, no? Well, go thoroughly enjoy yourself and watch my next epic blockbuster on YouTube. Now then, this audio is more along the lines of the characterization of your servitor, Dr. Duquesne. I should say your servitor-to-be. If you've read the Skylark Trilogy by E. E. Doc Smith, then you're off to good start in what you need to acquire in the creation process of your personal clone of Dr. Duquesne. If not, then make yourself familiar with the character. Being many of you are undoubtedly too young to remember the works of E. E. Doc Smith, I shall summarize the character of Duquesne, recapping over some of the characteristics as I've mentioned in the film. Then we'll introduce you to some new attributes for your servitors. Preparation. You need a plan and it helps to have some background on the character that you'll be working with to formulate your masterpiece. Let us draw you a sketch. Dr. Duquesne began in this space opera story as a scientist. To be more precise, he was a chemist working at the nefarious company World Steel notorious for robbery, theft, and murder. He was a tall, powerful man, black wavy hair, brows nearly growing together over an aquiline nose, and eyes black as pitch. His dark skin, contrasting with the intensity of his black hair, lended to our Dr. Duquesne a pallid complexion. His nickname was often Blackie Duquesne due to his impenetrable dark persona and atmosphere. However, this is only the initial perception of the character. There are qualities to Duquesne which make him, well, admirable, at times admirable, honorable, but villainous throughout. Overall, Duquesne is a no-nonsense player in the Skylark series. Allow me to fill you in briefly on Dr. Duquesne's background before you even think of applying new attributes to your servitor. Firstly and foremost, Duquesne was the primary enemy of the antagonist of the Skylark series, Richard Seaton, who was also a chemist and whom was also working as a co-worker with Duquesne. Now, odd as it would sound, the two characters rather grew throughout the story together, and it would have been impractical, no, practically impossible, I should say, for the antagonist, Richard Seaton, 
or the villain, Dr. Duquesne, either of them really, to have accomplished much without the other. So naturally, the two superpowers, these ubermen, teamed up on a number of adventures throughout the series to combat very powerful aliens and to think or fight their way out of insurmountable odds, then only to find themselves once again at each other's throats or outwitting one another seemingly at every turn of the page. You may conceive of Duquesne as a powerfully built man, perhaps an academic chess master, ultimate strategist, cold-blooded killer. And yet, this character was willing to allow his rival, Richard Seaton, to win, if Duquesne himself should fail and fall into darkness and death. Hoping his rival would not follow him, into a similar demise. But this was out of, well, not out of compassion. It was more for the sake of scientific discovery, the discovery of a lifetime, which was actually the liberation of copper, which propelled their spaceship far faster than the speed of light. Inconceivable, you might say. But Edward Smith, the food engineer and author of the Skylark series, had a vision. And it doesn't end with space and rocket propulsion. Or, I should say, actually, the liberation of copper. It continues with psionics. Duquesne is seemingly incredibly logical. The most important aspects about Duquesne is that the doctor learns, adapts, even grows with wisdom throughout the trilogy and never gives in to despair even when in a tight fix, such as in the first book, Skylark of Space, when Dr. Duquesne and his prisoners are trapped in the gravitational pull of a dead star and without enough fuel uh, to pull away. Duquesne reminds his prisoner, one Dorothy Seaton. Actually, in that first book, uh, she's not Dor Dorothy Seaton yet. Uh, she does marry Richard Seaton at the end of the book. But Dorothy, anyway. Duquesne reminds her that he's not quitting as long as he is still alive and he can still think. Despite the terrible disfiguring to his face due to an accident in their spaceship, and not long before being caught in the pole of a would-be black hole, whilst lost in space without any means of finding their way back home. Wrapping up Duquesne's background here, I should say that by the third book in the trilogy, we come to realize Duquesne as more than a supervillain of the galaxy, but also a superhero of humanity, oddly enough. Of course, seemingly, his actions are entirely coldly calculated or performed by a brain of pure logic, a machine, 
But it isn't entirely true. Duquesne, we learn, has desires, goals, which go beyond mere mechanical thinking. In the end of the story, in the third and final book of the trilogy, Duquesne masters powerful psionics, and upon defeating the alien monster's mastermind, Duquesne wins the heart of his once prisoner, Dorothy Seaton, who agrees to marry the villain Dr. Duquesne. The story ends with Dorothy declaring to Duquesne, quote, Of course I'll marry you. I've always loved you. End quote. So the antagonist, Dorothy's spouse, Richard Seaton, is dead after a massive psionic battle with the aliens and Duquesne still living, finishes the fight, coming out both alive and victorious, and then collecting his prized bride-to-be, Dorothy Seaton. After wrapping up his prized-to-be, uh, Dorothy Duquesne, <laughs> Bringing us up to the present day, Duquesne is but a memory for fans of the Skylark series, yet to witches and wizards, and particularly to us psionicists, Dr. Duquesne is quite alive, or, well, he is uh, existing as a series of thought clusters which can be pulled together, spliced, and tethered to your very own vessel or container to construct a powerful mentor servitor for pursuing psionics, psychotronics, radionics for the rest of your life and beyond death. Let us now consider where Duquesne might be when summoned forth into our presence and in our modern time allow for me to outline some characteristics, skill sets, and abilities attributed to the new Dr. Duquesne. And here are these attributes that I've added to my variant of the villain. Number one, Duquesne is now a space wizard and cosmic magician. In the second book, Duquesne, it was called Skylark of Valeron. Duquesne had stated to his ex-employer that he no longer cared about money. He only sought money because he thought it would give him more power. Then Duquesne goes on to state that knowledge is more valuable than power, or more important than power. Thus, I apply the concept that throughout all the experiences in that second book, when Duquesne becomes master of Earth, Combined with the third book, Skylark Duquesne, where Duquesne meets a mother, uh, a mother witch and her two daughters, also witches uh, or sorceresses, uh, somewhere along the lines when powerful alien allies teach the antagonist and his rival Duquesne how to control the universe using holographic cosmic models connected remotely by headgear, a.k.a. psionic helmets, that the ultimate conjecture about reality is most likely realized. 
and and at length mastered by Dr. Duquesne. Now, knowing this character well enough, you can only arrive at the same conclusion as I have. Duquesne is so mentally powerful and intelligent, and the right gadgets and technology are in his possession that he must have discovered that the laws of human science fall far short in face of powerful and high alien technomagic. Number two, Duquesne is far older now, ergo with powerful nanotech, cybernetics, uh, bionics, and uh, psychotronic machines. The doctor is now practically immortalized, by our standards at least. As an elderly Duquesne, the doctor remains physically stout, agile, able, and retains his virility. Through his wife Dorothy, uh, or I should say, though his wife Dorothy, a mere mortal, is an old story at this time, Duquesne has outlived all of his human companions, including his adversaries, which is very convenient for him. Of his companions remaining, there could only be alien intelligences of the universe, and, of course, Duquesne's personal robot legions. Well, you knew I had to throw that in there. I mean, psionic robots and all being my thing, right? As an elder Duquesne, the once scientist is now a cosmic wizard of tremendous power and abilities. These abilities he guards closely. But I suppose he's willing to teach the adept student who keeps focused on the pursuit, and one who shows earnestness and measurable progress. Remember, he's logical. You will need to stay keen with your training and remain dedicated to advance in order to keep Duquesne as your trusted mentor servitor. Number three. Are you paying attention? Physical appearances are slightly different than how Duquesne is described in Edward Smith's trilogy. Uh, the aging Duquesne has dark gray and black uh, hair, uh, which he wears brushed back. Uh, his skin tone is slightly paler with age, and he has grown a black beard. Duquesne wears a space-age sci-fi-style jumpsuit, a powerful girdled belt, and leather industrial-style boots. In essence, Duquesne is still the powerful man and the great intellect of the galaxy that he has ever been, only now his abilities are advanced through much experience, and Duquesne is indeed in possession of alien technology which would stagger the imagination of our contemporary technologist. All that is needed is a familiarity of the character and an understanding of psionics. And hey, some awesome amplifiers. See the video courses now $10 off on every video course at verloc.com shop where witches and wizards keep magic high. Join the galactic race for psionics dominion and domination 
with Dr. Mark C. Duquesne on your expedition into the mysterious world of techno-magic. Thank you, lords and ladies, for joining me. I do hope you have enjoyed meeting Dr. Duquesne. And until next time, I remind you all to keep the magic high. Dr. Signing out.